How many of you had an exceptional week? Did I ask this already once this week? Yeah, or this month? Yeah. Do you, do you want to stand and tell us about it? That's the weirdest testimony I've ever heard. I had onions. Yeah. And everybody around him's going, that's not a good thing. That's not a... Wow. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate that. Spontaneity. It's all good. So how are you? I just feel like this is one of those days I need to stall a little bit because I don't think you're ready yet. I don't think you're ready for this. Um, I feel like we need to just, you know, like do something weird. I don't know. In first service, it was my tablet. It tried to sell me something. Right as I got up here, you know, I had my sermon all prepped and ready to go on the screen. And the moment I opened it, like an ad popped up. I'm like, seriously, you're selling me stuff while I'm getting ready to preach? And so then I had to stall. And things went better when I stalled a little bit. So I'm stalling a little bit to see if things will go better. How's it going so far? Not good. Let's, let's go ahead and get back into it. Anyway, we're um, really glad. I just seeing Tia reminded me our ladies made it back from Belize. How many of you are glad they made it back? Yeah. And Janine's over here. And I saw Melinda this morning. She might be out running around. I don't know where Melinda is. But anyway, we had some ladies that went, and they're going to be sharing with us in a couple weeks, I think, about some of the things they found. So we're excited about that. And hopefully you kept them in your prayers as they went. Um, We have been talking about this exceptional life that Jesus came to bring us. And again, just to kind of give you clarification... As Jesus was using the analogy of the good shepherd and the thief, he talked about how he had come not to, um, to rob, but to rob, steal, and destroy, but to bring us life that was rich and satisfying. And, and again, in some of the older translation, it was the life that is more abundant. That's the word that is used. And so we kind of picked the word exceptional. I keep using extraordinary because I bounce back and the two mean almost the same thing to me. So if I say the wrong one, it's okay. They mean the same thing. Just go with it. All right. But we talked about the fact that this isn't just about Christianity giving you a good life. When you accept Jesus, that doesn't automatically make everything fine. Amen? It's all about us striving to become more like Christ and striving to live the life that God originally created for us. We have been corrupted by the effects of sin in this world, and it's all about for us getting back to that life that Jesus came to bring us. But if Jesus came to bring us a life that is more rich and satisfying, that is exceptional, then I believe we should work toward that end. And we've talked about some things that can help move us in that direction. Again, not magic uh, bullets or magic wands to, to get us there, but things that can move us there. We've talked about how our belief system plays a part in that. If we believe the right things about ourselves and about the world and about God, then we can help us to get to that that point. We've talked about our thought life and and how thinking the right thoughts can help us move in the right direction. We talked about our passions and, and our wants and how if we don't, if we're not honest with ourselves about what we really want deep down inside and, and bring our wants into submission with Christ, that we really can't get there. So today I want to bring it a little bit more to the outward uh, part of it, which is our actions or our habits. How many of you have ever done this before? How many of you have ever been driving somewhere and suddenly you're sitting in front of your garage door and you can't remember all the turns you made to get there. Anybody ever do that? You space out in the car, deep thought, and all of a sudden, how many of you have been going somewhere across town and before you know it, you realize, wow, I missed three turns and I'm actually on my way to my house, even though I wasn't intending. Some of you have done that more in second service. It must be us younger people that do that more. I have done that so much. I'm like headed for somewhere else and suddenly I'm almost home and I'm going, wait a second, I wasn't going home. 
oh, that's frustrating. You know, our, our brains just kind of sketch out on us. All right, this is going to sound a little weird, but um, one of the greatest places that I find myself getting distracted is in the shower. Like, because I think about stuff in the shower. How many of you think in the shower? That's a great thinking. But I, we had our minister's retreat Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I got to go to the airport and pick up the guy who spoke to us. And he and I agreed that God often speaks to preachers in the shower. So from now on, I'm going to refer to my bathroom as the prayer closet. Because it just sounds weird when you say, I found my inspiration in the bathroom. You just can't say that. So I'm just going to call it the prayer closet from now on. But it's amazing. Like I'll get in the shower and I'll be, you know, doing my thing and I'll get like ready to get out. And I'm like, wait a second. I rinsed my, did I ever shampoo my hair? Like I can't remember if I, I'm pretty sure I, I can't smell shampoo. Did I ever do that? You know, and so usually I just lather up again and, you know, they say wash, rinse, repeat anyway, so I just do it. But, you know, it's weird sometimes that our brains kind of check out and we do things by habit that we don't even have to think about. And and some of you have obviously experienced this if you're having those same kind of, of, of experiences that I am. Our bodies and our minds are amazing things. And sometimes our bodies and our minds uh, kind of uh, go together and work together to automate some of the tasks that we do habitually, and that way we don't have to think about them. And, and that's an awesome thing. You know, we call them habits, because if we had to really think through all of the things that we do on an everyday basis, we would be exhausted. I mean, imagine what your life would look like if, if to get out of bed in the morning, you had to think about, okay, right leg out of the bed left leg out of the bed. All right, go into the, you've got to walk to the bathroom. So right leg, left leg. I mean, imagine how exhausting that would be. Okay, I got to turn right into the bathroom. So I got to rotate my body this way. And we're going to stop right there because we don't want to know what happens in there. But we're, you know, imagine how exhausted you would be if when you're making your kids lunches, for instance, okay, hand, go get the bread. Yep, there it is. All right, what's next? Okay, meat is in the fridge. Hand, open the refrigerator. You know, we don't even have to think about that, do we? We just do it. Because our bodies and our minds work together to create habits that give us the ability to focus our attention on more important things. I read an article that compared habits to something called a trellis. How many of you like plants? Anybody like plants? How many like plants that climb stuff? You know, to to get plants that climb stuff to look pretty, you have to put them on a trellis. You have to get them started on a trellis. And it's fascinating to me that when you have a plant that will climb something, whatever direction you move the trellis into and whatever shape you make, the plants will just grow up and overcome that. And so the trellis determines the direction of the plant's growth. And you know what? Our habits, to a large degree, are like that in our lives. Our habits are like... The trellis that will determine the direction of our growth. So if we build habits in the right direction, then our growth will move in the right direction. But if we don't, then they're going to be headed in the wrong direction. They're like something that our lives grow upon. Another person said that that our habits are are kind of like a scaffold. How many of you like being up on top of a scaffold? I was up on top of a scaffold to aim that projector, and it scared me half to death. That's a long way up there. It was tall. But scaffolds are way better than ladders, amen? Because ladders fall down. Anybody ever fallen off? I don't want to know. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. Just keep it to yourself. I have literally been, when I was working one summer, I had two scaffolds collapse underneath me, and there I was hanging from the infrastructure of the room about 12 foot off the floor. In that situation, just this as an aside, you get real selective about who's underneath you to catch you, right? There's this little, little guy comes over, here, come on, drop. I'm like, no, not you. Not you, definitely not you. 
you, big guy, come over here. You know, you get the tallest, biggest guy there. And anyway, that's an aside. But scaffolds are great because you can get both feet firmly planted and then you can use two hands on whatever problem you're working on or whatever thing you're trying to fix or whatever you're trying to do. So, so again, our habits are kind of like, like that scaffolding. They help us to be able to stand firm and free up our thinking and free up our minds so that we can devote our full attention on whatever problem is before us. Um, it's important for us to think about our habits because the habits that we have are the framework that sets the direction of our lives. There's a, a speech that a guy made. His name was David uh, Foster Wallace, and I hadn't ever heard of this before. It was a graduation speech at a, at a college called Kenyon College, and he started with this story about two fish. Now, in first service, I said, obviously, if there's two fish, Phil Sitar hasn't been there because Phil would have caught one of the fish by then, and Phil was in first service, and he grinned at me big, so I'm sure he would have. But imagine there's these two young fish, you know, and they're just kind of doing what young people do. They're just kind of floating through life, having a good old time, talking to each other, enjoying the day, and this older fish comes swimming toward them, and, you know, they're coming this way, he's coming this way, and and as they get close, you know, the older fish kind of nods to the two younger fish, and they nod back, and, and as he swims by them, he says, hey, gentlemen, how's the water? And they just didn't really reply, you know, because sometimes young people don't. And they just kept on swimming. And when they got to the point where they were pretty sure they were out of the older fish's earshot, <laughs> I don't even think fish have ears, but let's just go with it, all right? The, the one fish said to the other one, what the heck is water? Right? And the point that he was trying to make was that some of the things that, that are most prominent in our lives some of the things that are, that are most important in our lives, that are the most obvious, that are the most important realities we could ever deal with are the ones that are hardest for us personally to see. We don't even know we're a part of them and we're just there. He goes on to say that as far as our habits go, the invisible reality is this. We are all living according to a specific regimen of habits and those habits shape most of our lives. We are often unaware of our habits. And that can be a good thing. Because again, if we had to think about everything that we do, we would exhaust ourselves. But it can also be a bad thing. Because if we're unaware of the habits in our lives and those habits are moving us in the wrong direction, then we have no idea why we keep going the wrong way. We must become aware of our habits. And if you think about it, you're really slave you're, you're kind of a slave to your habits because what we habitually do will eventually define us. So that leads to us to a simply uh, understanding that we need to deliberate. Oh, wow. We need to be deliberate. I can't read my own notes. About creating the kind of habits that will lead us in the right direction because habits hold so much power over us. We need to enslave them and bring them under our control so that we can move in the right direction. And that's why the early church came up with this thing called liturgy. How many of you have ever heard the word liturgy? Raise your hand if you've ever... How many of you grew up in a mainline denominational church where they did the same thing every week? Anybody have that experience? You know, growing up in a small country church of God, we didn't have that. We didn't have anything that we repeated every week. We didn't have, you know, we occasionally did a responsive reading or two, but we didn't have much what, you, what you'd call liturgy or repetition. But in the larger churches, they started doing this many, many years ago. And, and you know, as somebody who didn't grow up in that tradition, I've often been tempted to kind of cast stones and say, well, that's ridiculous. When you repeat the same thing over and over again, it just becomes meaningless to you. Why would they do that? Well, let me tell you why they do that. 
they do that because that repetition builds a habit. And what they're trying to do by by getting you to do the same thing over and over again every single week is they're trying to help you to better understand that you need to keep the the things that they're talking about foremost in your mind. They're trying to teach you that prayer is important, that the scripture is important. That's why we celebrate these things when we come together in church. One of my favorite things to do on Christmas Eve is to watch the Christmas Eve Mass from St. Peter's Basilica at the Vatican in Rome. It's where the Pope personally presides over it. Anybody ever seen it? Raise your hand if you've ever seen it. It's phenomenal. My kids think it's the dumbest thing in the world. Because it's the same thing every year, right? I, I, I love to sit down and watch it, or while we're doing stuff, I'll have it on TV, and you know they're doing all the chants, and everything's in Italian, of course. And they got this guy narrating in English who has the most soothing voice I've ever heard. Next to golf, he's the best sleep aid I've ever found. Ever found. But I love watching it. But you know what? It doesn't change. Minor adjustments here and there each year. But for the most part, it's exactly the same liturgy every single year. And in some ways, yeah, I can see where that would get old and maybe become a little bit meaningless. But at the same time, there's something to be said for this idea of repetition to build within us the habits that we need to move us in the right direction. A liturgy is a pattern of words or actions that we repeat to help us to worship, to help us to love, to help us to remember something. I have never particularly liked liturgy, but I think in the church of God, we may have thrown the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, because there's something to be said. This morning, as we started, you know what we did at the beginning, that little exercise I had you do? You know what that was? That was a liturgy, simply to remind you that you can never fully rest until you rest in him. And I hope you remember that this week. You're allowed to repeat that even if I'm not there to tell you to. You can say it over and over again. We don't usually embrace liturgies in in Protestant churches, but we do talk about spiritual practices or disciplines. And sometimes we reject those because we don't like how they they hedge us in. You know, I'm a person that doesn't like a rigid schedule. I don't like to plan out every moment of every day and and do everything at the same time every day. I'm just kind of a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants kind of person in that respect because you know what? I feel like it gives me more freedom. But you know what I'm learning as I grow older and wiser? I'm learning that sometimes in that freedom, there is bondage. In fact, there's a writer that I read this week. There's a a book called The Common Rule. I've been kind of going over the last few months. And and he has this quote. It's kind of long, but I want you to listen to it. It has some good stuff to say. So again, the nudge your neighbor rule is in effect if they start nodding off. Okay, here we go. This is from The Common Rule, Justin Whitmull Early. Philippians says that because he was willing, Jesus was willing, to submit to the limitations of death, he was exalted. So Jesus submits himself, and because of that, he was exalted. When Jesus got up and walked out of the grave, he exploded the limitations of what it meant to be human by dancing on death itself. I think, I think Chris should write a song about dancing on death for Easter, don't you? We should, we should put that on him. Go ahead, Chris. Write a song for that, okay? He's not going to do it. I can tell by the look on his face. Dancing on death itself. Now those who choose to surrender their life to Christ will also rise with Christ. By surrendering his freedom for the sake of love, Christ saved the world. By surrendering our freedom to him, we participate in that love. We find our true freedom in the constraints of divine love. For we, for our own sake, tried to become limitless, and the world was ruined. Jesus, for our sake, became limited, 
and the world was saved. The key thing to notice here is how Jesus' actions are the exact opposite of what humans did in the Garden of Eden. There, we tried to become gods by rejecting God's authority and eating the forbidden fruit. In trying to free ourselves from our limitations, we brought the ultimate limitation of death into the world. But Christ turns this human paradigm on its head. The way down is the way up. The way to victory is through surrender. The way to freedom is through submission. We, for our own sake, tried to become limitless, and the world was ruined. Jesus, for our sake, became limited, and the world was saved. Friends, that's profound. Think about it. The God of the universe, Jesus in heaven, sitting with the Father, enthroned with the Father, has all the power and all the freedom that anyone could ever have. He created everything that exists with the words of his mouth. The Bible says he spoke the creation into being. He has so much power that he can speak and the world exists. And he decides to limit himself and wrap himself up in this little tiny package in a manger that can't even talk right. Am I right? Some of you don't understand the profoundness of this. I can tell. Jesus, who could create everything with a word of his mouth, chose to make himself so small and so tiny and so insignificant that he couldn't even tell his parents what he needed. Friends, I don't know about you, but that's limitation. Jesus limited himself so that we could be free. And as we surrender our freedom to him, we find out what true freedom really is. And we do that through this process of habits and allowing ourselves to fall under the discipline of the right things. Our habits will determine the direction of our lives and what we choose will determine what we become. This isn't just pop culture, this is Bible. I believe in Romans chapter 6 when Paul has this grand discussion about, uh, about slavery and what we're enslaved to. He's talking about this whole thing. I want to read you parts of it, maybe all of it. I know, again, it's kind of long, but listen as he says this. And I want you to picture in your mind, he's using the example of slavery. But when he's talking about slavery to something, he's really talking about the actions that we commit. And so he's talking about habits to some degree. Listen to what he says. He says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. In other words, the desire thing, it all starts in the heart. Don't let any part of your body, which is moving into the actions part, become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? Doesn't that sound like habits to you? You become a slave of whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. He continues that conversation all the way down through 623, which talks about the wages of sin being death, but the gift of God being eternal life. Friends, what Paul is saying is that the slavery that we live under will determine the direction that we go. 
And I realize that we don't all like to talk about slavery. We don't like to think about slavery. We're Americans. We're free. Do I dare say it? America, right? And now what we're all fighting over and fighting about is we think the other side's going to take our freedom and so we're fighting back. Friends, we all want to be free. But friends, we'll never get it until we get to the point where we recognize that whatever we choose to follow will essentially determine our outcome. And if we choose to be slaves to sin, we will die. But if we choose to be slaves to righteousness, then we can find freedom in that. And that happens through the things that we choose to do. Certainly our beliefs and our thoughts determine who we will be. Our desires in our heart play a big role in in what we gravitate toward. But do not underestimate the power of what you choose to do as a person at shaping the person that you will become. And the, the real challenge to this is that Paul says they chose who they wanted to follow. And many of us aren't even choosing our habits. You see, I believe we live in a world that is very, very quick to choose our habits for us. Amen? I think the world is compressing us into its mold. That's why Paul said in Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world or do not let the world push you into its mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The world around us chooses our habits for us if we don't be deliberate about what we choose. Now, I'm going to be transparent again this morning and share with you some of the things that that I've recognized in my own life are habits that I have picked up from culture. Here's, Here's the biggest one. When I get out of bed in the morning, you want to know the first thing I reach for? What's the first thing I reach for? What do you think? My phone. This morning, somebody correctly said coffee, but fact of the matter is the coffee's not made yet, so I have to go get it. Okay? Coffee's the second thing. But the first thing I reach for is my phone. You know, you, you got to find out if anything happened overnight. Am, am I right? Don't look at me like you don't do the same thing. Some of you do. I, I know it. You know, I wake up in the morning. I shut my alarm off, which is also my phone, by the way. I pick up the phone. And I look to see if anybody liked the goofy stuff I put on yesterday. Oh, I'm sorry, the scripture I put on yesterday. It's always holy and spiritual, right? Not always. You know, you got to see. I got to see. I got to find out. I got to be connected, you know? And then I get up and I, I go about my business. I get ready for school or get the kids ready for school, get off to work. I get here. I make the coffee, go back to my office, sit in my chair. Guess what I do? First thing I want to do. First thing I'm compelled to do. Better check Facebook. See if anything happened between then and now. You know what I've noticed? Nothing happens between then and now. Nothing. And then I go throughout the course of my day, wherever my body comes to rest, whether it's in the seat, in the waiting room at a dentist's office, whether it's in my car waiting to pick up my children, which is 90% of my life these days, no matter where it is, my body comes to rest, the first thing that happens is my phone comes out and stares me in the face. Why? Why? The first like 30 years of my life were lived without a cell phone. Certainly not a smartphone. How did I do so well without it? Society has sold us a bill of goods, my friends, that unless we stay connected with every little thing all the time, we're not with it. We're not there. We're going to miss something. I guarantee you, you couldn't miss something today if you tried because everything that happens is right in your face. Society is defining for us what we will spend our time doing. And I have developed a bad habit that needs to change. And the worst part about it is I spend half my time just trying to be amused by my phone. I love videos of comedians, don't you? Dry bar comedy is my favorite thing in the world. It's clean comedy, and I just love to watch it. That and kittens and puppies and monkeys and whatever Phil Sitar puts on there. Why are we so amused by this? 
Why is the draw so strong? Because it gives the deception of being connected when in fact we're really disconnecting, aren't we? It's got to change. I've, I've de- determined that. All right, here's, here's another one. I keep myself busy all the time. I'm always busy. In fact, I brag about how busy I am most of the time because I want people to know how busy I am because busyness is next to godliness, right? I got news for you. Busyness is just busyness. There's nothing godly about it. And the world has sold us a bill of goods that unless we're active all the time, we're wasting our time, we're wasting somebody else's time, and time is money, and money, as you know, makes the world go round. But the fact of the matter is, we need margin in our lives. We don't need more to do. And there are so many options for us to do things. We can do whatever we want. We have freedom. And if we don't take advantage of it, we feel like we're being limited. I got news for you. Limit yourself and find out how incredibly freeing that is. There's so much to do, but it doesn't all have to be done. And it doesn't all have to be done by you. Limit yourself. That's my second one I'm going to work on. The third one is this. I never get enough sleep. How many of you get enough sleep? Raise your hand. I just want to know so that I can hate you secretly behind your back. I'm just kidding. Not really. Not really. I, you know. I never get enough sleep. Do you know why? Because I'm a moron. I get home in plenty of time to go to bed. And you know what I do? Turn on the stupid TV, watch one episode of some stupid show, which leads to another episode of the same stupid show, and you get hooked. And suddenly you find it's 11.30 at night, and I'm going, I was going to go to bed early. And you know what? My wife does not help with this because she likes that Call the Midwife show way too much. And there's nine stinking seasons of that dumb show. I think we share this weakness in common. We just get hooked. And then I wake up tired and I'm ornery and I take it out. I'm, why? Well, because society has sold us the bill of goods that we deserve to unwind. We deserve to be entertained. I got news for you. I got some habits that the world has given me that I need to take back. I need to set the direction of my life by creating my own habits deliberately in the right direction. And you know what? I have a feeling I'm not the only one. Because if I have these things, probably some of you do as well. Listen, before we end today, I want to give you a couple real quick examples of some things that I believe you and I can both change that will help move us in the direction of the exceptional life that God has for us by way of some habits that you can adopt. Now, don't get too worried. Some of these are really simple. Some of them are really easy. Some of them not so much, but some of them will be harder for you than others. And I'm not saying you have to do them all. I'm just saying, take a look, see if there's one or two that you want to give it a try so that you can move in the right direction. Far be it from me to guilt you into just taking on one more thing. These are designed simply as options to move you in the right direction. And if you have a phone, once they are all up there, if you want to take pictures of it and make me feel better about the fact that you actually want to see them, that would be